Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Prepping Crew Podcast. We're going to say thanks for having me on today, uh, you know, here for the Pirate Prepping Crew. I really appreciate the the invite and having you come on. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Chris. I'm from MO.com. And I uh, wanted to talk today about prepping for the unprepared because, you know, I don't know about you, but I think this is a pretty big issue because there are a lot of people out there who are not prepped for a disaster, who have no idea what to do. And I think having a game plan before somebody comes knocking on your door is pretty important. What do you think? Yes, it's extremely important. And, you know, there's there's a lot of questions on, you know, how should you handle this situation, right? Because I was looking this up before we got on today, and uh, there's a lot of mixed statistics on preppers. There's really no hard evidence to say, you know, how many preppers are out there or, you know, to what level people are prepared at. Uh, some, you know, surveys say that there's only a few million preppers out there. I don't buy that. I think there's a lot more than that. And other studies say that about a third of the American population, you know, self-identifies as a prepper because, you know, we all have to self-identify these days, uh, you know. But regardless of what the number is, it means that there are a lot of people who have no idea what they're going to do in a disaster or they're completely dependent on the government, which, of course, is just just a great plan. You know, the government always has your back. Just look how they're doing in Hawaii right now. Uh, you know, they can definitely you know, really, you know, connect with you and understand your suffering. And they'll definitely be there to take care of you. Just ask everybody who, uh, you know, lines up to go to the camps. So hopefully that never happens. But if it does, there's going to be a lot of exodus, right, from the large population centers. We're talking huge cities that are just going to empty out uh, because of conflict. You're more than likely going to have, you know, different factions vying for power for these areas. You know, we're talking about gangs. We're talking about the government. Uh, and so there's probably going to be a lot of people leaving the cities. And if you don't live in the country far away, you don't have a really good bug out location and you live in the suburbs, kind of like I do, this question of how you deal with people coming through, you know, maybe refugees or whatever's going on, how you deal with this is a really important question to ask yourself, because the last thing you want to do during a crisis is to be guessing on what you should be doing. Uh, as preppers, we like to prepare, we like to have plans, and so I think it's important to have a plan now. And as preppers, typically we focus on three major areas, right? Food, water, power, and self-defense. Those are the big three. You can throw medical in there as well, but you know, the old adage, beans, bullets, and band-aids, right? Uh, that, that's the pretty much the classic, uh, you know, trifecta for preppers. And so, you know, we always talk about like, okay, we should prep this first, we should prep that first, you should get your bug out bag ready to go. But we don't talk so much about how are we going to deal with people who are really in need during a crisis, during an SHTF event. Uh, if you look back into history, uh, typically when disasters happen, communities will come together. But there is often a lot of concern about outsiders, people who you don't know, who you don't necessarily can trust, and what their intentions really are. Uh, so I've kind of come up with a, a system. There's about three different ways you could handle, you know, a knock on the door, right? If it's not somebody you know, um, and being prepared on how you're going to answer this and how you're going to handle the situation is going to make you a better prepper in the long run. So uh, first point, and I think that this is what most people are going to say as preppers and be like, well, I'm just going to tell them to pound sand, hit the bricks. Uh, you know, there's nothing here for you. I can't help you. That's the typical 
response. And there is some merit to that, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people are worried about OPSEC, operational security. Uh, you know, you're concerned that maybe there are scouts for, you know, maybe a less than savory group of people who are looking to come and take your stuff. And the last thing you want to be is a target or identified as a prepper during a disaster scenario. So, you know, you don't want people to know what you have. And this is a big concern, I think, in the prepper community. You know, the, yes, we're, you know, we're prepping all of our food, our, you know, our water, our medical supplies, our ammunition. Uh, but the beauty of being gray man is if no one knows what you have, you don't look like a target. But if someone comes knocking to your door and you're like, oh yeah, come on in. Uh, I've got plenty of stuff here to help you out. It does kind of telegraph that you are a prepper. Uh, and so that's typically the, the typical answer for if someone comes to the door looking for help, most people are gonna say, well, I'm just gonna tell them to hit the bricks and you know get out of there. Uh, the second option uh, is to, if you have a community, if you have a group uh, around, or if you have a homestead or something like that, you could invite them into the community. This is obviously a more dangerous option, but it does have you know pluses to it as well. Of course, we don't know this person, right? So we kind of have to see you know, what type of person they are, what type of skills they have. But, uh, you know, in a disaster scenario, there's going to be a lot of things to be done. Uh, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to do that you don't really have to do right now because it's so there's so much comfort in the world, right? We don't have to worry about, you know, going and purifying water. All we have to do is turn on the tap uh, and maybe run it through your, your Berkey or, you know, even your Brita filter just to take out some of the garbage in there. Uh, during a disaster scenario, you're gonna have to go get water if you don't have an on-site water source. That's gonna take time. It's heavy, it's hard work, and it takes a lot of you know people to do that if you have a community. So having more people to do that is definitely an option. Uh, you know, it will you know give you more people in your group. That gives you more people to run patrols, do work, maybe you know free up some of your time to be able to take care of some of the other things. Now. I'm not going to say, you know, just invite everybody in, you know, because you have to take care of your family first, right? You have to take care of your group and make sure you guys are set uh, before you can start taking in refugees. But I will say having more people around can definitely be a benefit. And I think that if you're going to do this, it has to be established with these people. Like, listen, you're not just going to be sitting on your tail. Uh, you know, if you think that uh, you're just going to be sitting around in your penny loafers and doing nothing, well, you better hit the road because if you're going to stay here, you're going to have to earn your keep, right? Uh, so that's another way to do it. You can invite them in. Obviously, that presents its own dangers as well. Again, if these people are looking out for another larger group, if they're trying to gather intel, you're kind of inviting them into the castle walls at this point, so to speak. So that's definitely has its own dangers to it. But also, if you do find somebody who is legitimate, who has some skills, who knows what they're doing, can definitely help you out in the long run as well. And then the third option is one that I don't hear talked about a lot, and it is basically to offer these people some help, but basically tell them to not come back. So it's kind of a combination of the two, right? Uh, this I find to be the least talked about in the prepper community in general. Uh, many people think that this telegraphs you as a prepper, uh, that you have things to give away, but I don't necessarily believe that's true, especially if you don't really hook them up, right? Uh, like I alluded to earlier, uh, typically communities will come together during this disaster to help each other. Uh, you know, the, the old story is, you know, rock soup during the depression, right? Where, you know, all 
together you can create a massive meal for everyone but apart you just have a little bit of it and you can barely survive and so I think that offering some aid to those in need might be paid back to you later in life. Now, whether that's you believe in karma or anything like that, that's your own personal decision. But I've found that, you know, kindness and compassion should not be abandoned just because we're in a disaster situation. Uh, so what I advocate for is adding to your preps what I like to refer to as the charity bag. Now this is not some tricked out bug out bag with all of the greatest gear, you know, $100 knives, things like that. I'm talking just a little bit that you can hand out and you can talk to these people and be like, listen, I can't take you in, I apologize, but here, I've got a little something to help you get where you're going uh, and maybe give them a leg up so that they don't necessarily, you don't feel like you're just abandoning these people on the side of the road, right? So what I would recommend for a charity bag is just like, Back when I was growing up, the, the canvas bags, which just like the standard two handles was really popular. So getting something cheap, you could pick this up at like a garage sale, probably for like a dollar or less. Uh, just a little bag, not like a backpack or anything like that. Just a little bag for them to carry the stuff. Just a little bit of basic food in there. Nothing like, you know, we're not giving them freeze dried, uh, you know, meals. We're not handing out our mountain house or anything like that. But, you know, just some beans and rice, something easy to cook, maybe a few cans of food, something that's cheap. Uh, a metal bottle. I've got tons of those sitting around the house right now where, you know, it's like my, my daughter's old water bottles from school, right? Uh, you know, you can repurpose that. Instead of throwing it away, you could repurpose it into, uh, you know, this charity bag. Uh, and again, you can pick these up cheap at, uh, at garage sales or something like that if that's something you want to do. Just a simple water filter like one of the, the life straws or something you can pick up from Walmart for cheap. Uh, a simple flashlight, nothing cool, no surefires, no uh, streamlights, anything like that. Uh, one of those compasses you can pick up at, at any outdoor store, an inexpensive folding light, and maybe some, or excuse me, an inexpensive folding knife, and maybe some matches just to help them cook this food that you're going to give them. And, you know, send them on their way and just say, hey, listen, this is all I can do. I can't give you any more. Please don't come back because if you come back, uh, it's not going to be as friendly this second time around. So uh, those are kind of the three big options that I see during an SHTF situation on how you could handle a knock at the door from someone that you don't know. Uh, you know, what are what have your thoughts? I know you said you were kind of conflicted about this, you know, before we started recording. Uh, what are your thoughts on how you're gonna handle people during a disaster? So looking like, kind of like people I do know, like my in-laws, like my mother-in-law's like, she's like, oh, that's great. You know, you prep and stuff like that. and. She wants to do it, but my father-in-law is like, if it's all going to hit the fan, I'm going to die anyway. So I'm like, you know what? I was like, my mother-in-law can come in. You're on your own, though. Like, <laughs> Right. It, it's one of those ones where if, so like, if, if I get the impression that you are completely unprepared and your survival skills are absolutely zero, I almost feels like I'm a little less inclined to give you as much stuff as I can to get you further down than I am with someone that's like, hey, like, you got some twine so I can make some snares or something like that. Like, um, it's it's one of those ones, like, on, on I preach, like, I got a huge downloadable section on my website of just everything, military manuals, um, 
basic trapping, hunting, fishing, like all the just little skills, like in like that, like that stuff right there. Like I got tons of PDFs, got a bunch of them all printed off. Like that's that's something that I will for sure. If someone comes knocking, like here, here's some information. It's all I can do right now. Um, I, I have thought about um, small, like a day or two's worth of um, food. You know, a few thousand calories worth of like, you know, like ramen, rice, beans, yeah. stuff like that. But it's one of those ones where I go back and forth where I'm like, all right, do I help everybody? Do I not help everybody? Like, it's fine. I punch in the chat, uh, chat GBT. I was like, so how do I prepare to help, you know, the unprepared? And yeah. it says, get involved in the community and help everybody. I'm like, it's not what I want to do. Yeah, Chat GPT has to be like the most liberal AI I've ever met. Uh, Honestly, it's insane on what it it recommends. Sometimes it's hilarious. Yeah, I'm like it's at the very end said help everybody. I'm like I I I'm one person. I can't help everybody. Like, well, that and that's the thing. It's like you know, of course, for a lot of people subconsciously they want to help everybody, but the truth is you can't. And I think that it's important to kind of know if somebody is really in need or not and of course there's going to be a lot of needy people at that time but like i said earlier you can't compromise your own security for you know someone who decided that they didn't want to prepare at all uh it's one of those things where you kind of have to do it as a case-by-case basis to really understand who needs help and who doesn't yeah so i I had a, a couple things here to kind of give you an idea some things to think about right if you need you know somebody is in need or not how can you tell uh and it really comes down to how well you judge character and this is going to be a tough question for a lot of people but you need to be honest with yourself and ask you know and contemplate are you a good judge of character or not think about you know your relationships in the past you know people that you've known at work at home and your you know your private relationships how good of a judge of character are you? And to give you a personal example, I'm going to use a pseudonym for this just so I'm not outing anybody. Uh, the wife and I had, uh, you know, a friend that she had met uh, when she was at school and, uh, you know, we hung out quite a bit. I thought her husband was a really cool guy and, you know, it kind of really ended up that he was an absolute jerk. Like he was uh, very, you know, cruel to her and, you know, just rude and inappropriate and, some of the things that I heard about later just absolutely blew my mind. And this is kind of a story that's repeated in my life multiple times. So I have to admit to the fact that I'm a pretty bad judge of character. Uh, and if you're too soft-hearted, maybe a little bit like I am, who in your group, your prepper group, your survival group, who is a better judge of character? Uh, you know, who do you feel is always you know on point with figuring people out, things like that? That might be a better person to call in when somebody's knocking at the door and be like hey you know for my case it's probably going to be my wife she's much more skeptical than i am which is probably a good thing uh and you know have them talk to these people and see whether they think that they're actually in need or not or maybe they have nefarious you know intent behind their knock at the door right maybe they are looking out for that marauder group that's you know just in the other town ransacking the place maybe they're trying to scope you out maybe your other person can kind of get a beat on that and I would say look at their overall demeanor, uh, not just how they are dressed, but, you know, do they look like they just walked out of the city, like out of a freaking war zone, right? 
Uh, you know, because that's what the cities are going to turn into, you know, if a full-on SHTF happens. Do they look like they're hungry? Do they look emaciated? Or are their eyes sunken in the back of their head? Do they look sullen? Or do they look like they just had a really solid meal? Do they look great and they just, like, slap some dirt on their face uh, to try and look, you know, like they've, they've went through it? Are they maybe ill? Are they sick? Is it cold out? Uh, do they have proper clothes on? Do they avoid eye contact? Uh, that's a really good sign to kind of look for to see if somebody is really being honest with you or not. Now, of course, this is not 100% accurate uh, because there are people out there who are very good at, you know, telling a tale and trying to get you to like them. Uh, but it is a good sign for people who are maybe not uh, as, you know, adept at those skills. They might be acting very nervous and avoiding eye contact. What do their shoes look like? This is something I don't hear talked about a lot. Uh, but does it look like they, you know, walked out of the city, or does it look like they have fresh shoes on, or are they wearing some, you know, uh, you know, soy boy penny loafers or something like that? That can give you a clue as to who they are and what their intentions might be. And then this is a tough one, uh, and this is one that I struggle with the most: is ask yourself the question: Do they have kids with them or not? Uh, and as a father myself, this is really a difficult one for me because it's hard for me to see kids suffer. Uh, but I think that in an initial phase of a disaster, I don't think people will be using kids as a decoy or as a, you know, kind of a smokescreen if they're trying to scout out your location. That's just my thought process. If I were going to be doing that, I would definitely leave the kids somewhere else because the last thing I want is for my children to be put in harm's way. So if they bring their kids with them, I don't feel like it would initially be a, uh, you know, someone with ill intent, but I could be wrong on that. But it's just something to consider um, and the other thing is you have to think about if you're going to offer these people charity, what happens if they get picked up later by some, you know, marauder group or people who are looking to prey on, you know, preppers or things like that. Would these people spill their guts and say where they got all this stuff from? That's something you have to ask yourself for uh, about. And so uh, I didn't know, did you have any ideas on how to kind of evaluate the situation with, you know, whether you should help people or not or what have you, you know, thought about? Huh. When it comes to evaluating, I basically just take stuff from the military I learned and then um, all the law enforcement people I know that um, trust nobody, be skeptic yep. of everything. Um, what you're talking about the kids, um, kids have a, my experience doing, you know, coaching youth sports and stuff, kids have a harder time it's conveying a um, elaborate lie. Mm -hmm. If it's something smaller, they can kind of conceal it. But if it's something big and elaborate, they they tend to miscue stuff like that. So that's when it comes to kids, they they are usually everything's just honest out in the open and just so. That's a good point, uh, you know, because kids are more of an open book, you know, for the most part. I would say that uh, if you've had experience with kids, kind of like what you were talking about, you know, teaching you sports or, you know, just even if you have like a niece or a nephew or something like that, you can kind of tell when they're trying to sell you a Whopper, right? Uh, it just doesn't sound right. And you can kind of tell that they're full of malarkey at that point. So, uh, yeah, kids definitely are a little bit more obvious when it comes to, you know, being 
uh, like they're trying to tell you a tall tale. So that's a good point, honestly. I hadn't thought about that. I'll have to put that in my notes for the future. But that can definitely be a good way to know whether people are being honest or not is just, you know, kind of talking with the kids a little bit. And if they truly are, you know, these people's kids and, the, you know, it's their parents, they'll probably appreciate that you spend time talking to the kids, not just them, uh, you know, addressing them as real people. So that would be another tell uh, things to do. Uh, just to kind of keep yourself in order and, you know, know whether or not uh, someone's being honest or not. But yeah, the, the trust nobody uh, aspect is is probably the right way to do it. Uh, in all honesty, I, I've spoken to some police officers as well, and they definitely have that uh, mentality, especially when they're going into a situation that they don't know about. Uh, of course, their main goal is to make sure they make it home alive. And in an SHGF situation, that's what your goal is too. You want to get through it alive, right? So it's kind of a microcosm of the same situation just blown up onto a bigger scale instead of going into a domestic dispute you're having to you know navigate through you know a situation where people may not be telling you the truth and may be trying to just get what they can out of you and move on uh, and so being a little bit of a skeptic can definitely help you in the long run in a disaster scenario yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean sure. so far so yeah, absolutely. No, it definitely helps if you're, uh, you know, always keeping an eye out for people and, you know, being a little less trusting. So definitely something to work on. If Again, if you're somebody like myself who, you know, maybe is a little bit uh, more trusting, uh, again, having somebody in your group who you know uh, can really evaluate people well and understand, uh, you know, psychology and things like that is a great asset to have. Uh, you know, it's not always just, uh, you know, the group needs a doctor and you need people to, to run patrols. Having people who have good people skills uh, is critically important, especially in this situation. Uh, you know, if you have somebody who maybe is in need or maybe is just looking out for themselves and trying to figure out how they can take what you have. Uh, and of course, if you want to make sure that you have everything necessary to make sure that they can't take what you have, uh, do me a favor for all your listeners. I have a special coupon for them. Uh, if you just go to ammo.com forward slash Chris, uh, get your free $20 off coupon uh, for your first order. We'd love to you know, have you check us out if you can. If not, uh, not a big deal, but uh, just want to let you know we do not spam your email address and you can unsubscribe once you get your coupon. So just a little free little gift for your guests there uh, to you know, make it worth their while. Appreciate them listening to the podcast. Uh, but I would say you know, in the end, uh, you really have to make the decision on how you want to handle the unprepared. You know, it's really easy to just be like, you know, okay, get going. There's nothing here for you. And, you know, maybe that is the right way to do things in the beginning phases. But perhaps later on, uh, when there are less people out there, when, you know, most of the cities have emptied and, uh, you know, treating everybody like a marauder may not be the right decision on how to handle things. So, some people simply just need a hand. Uh, you know, they aren't there looking to take everything you have. They just need a little bit of help to make it through to wherever it is that they're going. And helping someone in need is one of the greatest gifts that any of us can ever give. Uh, and so I'm not suggesting that you just help and help and help like ChatGPT tells us to do. But if SHTF does ever happen, let's pray that it doesn't. But if it does, uh, try to be generous as you can within your means. Uh, I would just say make sure that you're taken care of, make sure your security is intact. And if something smells funny, uh, and I'm not just talking about people not bathing, 
Uh, if something doesn't smell right, then 180 and walk away. You can always tell them to leave. Uh, but if someone seems really in need, uh, if you feel that you can make a difference in their life and potentially save somebody, that's something that could be really big down the line. Uh, and I would just say, don't be cruel because sometime later on, you may need the help from somebody else. And, uh, you know, you might be able to survive on the kindness of someone else if something happens. And maybe you have to bug out, you're separated from your group, uh, things like that. Maybe you just need a place to stay for a night and then you'll be on your way. Uh, I would say always try uh, kindness first, but with a healthy do dose of skepticism, just to make sure that you're always protecting yourself and you're always prepared. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. It, yeah, I, I fall back to the I'll help when I can, even if it's just showing or teaching them something mm -hmm. or if I have the extra stuff to give. But there there is a point where you, you have to weigh the cost benefits of Am I running a soup kitchen or am I yeah. preparing for the long haul? I, and again, it also it depends on what kind of SHTF it is as well. Is it going to be more of a medium, short term, or is mm -hmm. it going to be like an EMP where you're looking at a minimum of 18 months before anything starts to resemble society again? So, say, yeah, I, I think situa yeah, situational awareness during a disaster is critical. Uh, knowing, like you said, what type of disaster we're dealing with. You know, is it just a hurricane? Are we going to be, you know, will we have power again in, you know, a couple of weeks? Or, you know, like you alluded to, an EMP, uh, you know, CME, coronal mass ejection, uh, you know, nuclear conflict, whatever it may be, is it going to be a long-term disaster where, you know, hope is not, or help rather, is not coming anytime soon? Uh, knowing that and knowing what you have in your, your stockpiles is going to be so important because you're going to need to start rationing immediately. When, if it's, especially if it's a long-term disaster, my recommendation, the first thing you do is you start rationing immediately. Figure out what you've got, take a full inventory, like, okay, we've got a minimum 18 months before any type of help is coming. How can we stretch what we have as long as possible? And then after that, I would be like, okay, how much do we have left over? Is there any room for charity? And if there isn't, then there isn't. Uh, and you can't force it. Like I said, you can't compromise your own survival for somebody else. But if you have the capability and if you've prepared for those people who aren't ready, being able to help is a great idea. And like you said, uh, you know, teaching people, you know, what the old adage is, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for, or feed him for a lifetime. Not necessarily the case, you know, in SHGF, if we take a look at the Great Depression, right, the, you know, the American whitetail nearly went extinct. But on that same vein, you know, giving somebody a skill is so much more valuable than just giving them a piece of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well, right on. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to cover? Um... No, I think that pretty much hit it all. Awesome. Well, you know, thanks again for having me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. It was great being here. Uh, again, uh, if you need some ammo, ammo.com would be a great place. I'd really appreciate it. But again, 
Uh, you don't have to. If you just want to check us out, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on. It was really a pleasure. All right. Thanks for coming on. I enjoyed it. Learned a lot. Awesome. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Oh, yeah. I'll reach out and let you know. Perfect. Appreciate it. All right. Yep. Thank you. No problem.